Good morning, and welcome to the Virginia Interfaith Center for Public Policy's live weekly broadcast. I'm Roberta Oster, the Communications Director. Our program brings you the insights and perspectives and resources from faith leaders, community leaders, experts, legislators, and people in our traditions. Thank you for being with us today. We will also share opportunities for you to get involved in our work advocating social justice and welcoming our neighbors. On the broadcast, you can ask questions live on Facebook, so please write in your questions. We greatly appreciate your participation. Our program focuses on our mission, advocating economic, racial, social, and environmental justice issues here in Virginia. We keep you up to date and we keep our elected officials accountable. Today, we will be addressing the critical issue of evictions and utility moratoriums in Virginia. And I am thrilled to welcome our guests who are both on the front lines fighting for economic justice. Our first guest, Cassidy Craighill. She's the communications and advocacy director at Clean Virginia. Welcome, Cassidy. And Dana Wiggins, who is the director of the Center for Community Outreach and Affordable Clean Energy Project at the Virginia Poverty Law Center. Welcome, Dana. And our moderator is the Reverend Dr. Faith Harris, who is my friend and colleague and co-director of Virginia Interfaith Power and Light. Welcome, Faith, and thank you all for being here. Thank you, Roberta. Um, I'm very happy to be here this morning and to be in conversation with our two guests. Um, and let me just jump in with a, a brief statement intro. Many Virginians were anxious to learn the outcomes of the General Assembly uh, session budgeting process related to the utility and evictions moratoriums. Um, this past seven months have hit some Virginians harder than others. Uh, with losses in employment reaching as high as 11% in the early stages of the pandemic. And then our current seasonal adjusted rate is still over 6%. And so I'm delighted to have this conversation and hope that we'll be able to shine light on some of the um, concerns and issues and things people need to and want to know about the budgeting process and what that means for the utility moratoriums and for the moratorium on um, evictions. So uh, going into this session, there were high hopes uh, for legislation that would create resolution to the moratorium stopgap measure. And uh, many among the climate and environmental justice communities, as well as Governor Northam and Attorney General Herring, were hoping to see some of the overcharges paid by Dominion uh, ratepayers over the past few years used to help um, those unable to pay their utility bills and to make payments um, because of loss of employment. Um, would you explain to those who may need to understand uh, how we got here uh, with the moratorium and utility shutoffs and uh, why uh, there were hopes that we would be able to use that uh, those overages to um, to uh, create a resolution. And let's start with, uh, we can start with Cassidy if we'd like. 
Sure. Thanks, Faith, and thanks everyone for joining and taking time out of your morning to talk about these uh, important issues. Um, so yeah, to Faith's point about Dominion Energy's overcharges, um, there was a lot sort of happening at once this summer that I think it's important to add a little bit of, um, of context to everyone. So almost the exact week that the special session kicked off in August, um, we found out that Dominion had overcharged their customers by 502.7 million dollars in just three years, so since 2017. Um, that number is actually, to put it in context, context, is actually twice the amount of the actual budget shortfall that the General Assembly had convened to solve um, and to reckon with. So, um, and also the debt that at that point that um, from overdue utility bills that we were talking about um, was around 116 million as of the end of July. So those are sort of the numbers we are working with. Um, another thing I, that always sort of adds a little bit of salt to the wound um, is that as uh, you know, unemployment numbers and COVID cases were soaring um, this summer in late June, Dominion actually doled out its largest dividend payout in recent history, so $787 million. So I, I bring all of that up because Dominion had, has not taken any kind of financial hit during this crisis while families and businesses have really suffered. Um, but unfortunately, with those facts, lawmakers allow Dominion to pocket millions of dollars that belongs to Virginians. So really important for people to remember that the overcharges are money. That is money that does not belong to Dominion. It belongs to families and households all over Virginia. It is simply just getting overcharged for something and then not getting it back. Um, and I'll just quickly say a little bit about what the governor had proposed. Um, Clean Virginia and dozens of other organizations called for a really just no strings attached return of this money um, through debt forgiveness and for immediate refunds. And the uh, Northam's administration mostly agreed and put forth a really common sense solution let's use a portion of that 320 million and use it for refunds and that debt forgiveness. Um, but unfortunately, Dominion was successful in convincing budget committees to really water that proposal down. Um, and I know we'll talk later about the repayment plan and what protections are in the budget language that will help customers. But the truth of the matter is, is that Dominion still is is getting away with pocketing millions of dollars that does not belong to them in the middle of an economic crisis and global pandemic. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of my take on on what we hope to happen and, and what uh, where we are now. And we'll talk more later about um, some of the specifics of that. And um, Dana, definitely want to hear your take as well. Yeah, I, so uh, I think maybe from the VPLC perspective, um, you know, we went into the special session kind of understanding that while we wanted all of that money to go back to consumers, um, I think on some level we understood that, you know, that is uh, a lot easier said than done, you know, and, it, you know, the $500 million in overcharges really was the numbers that Dominion had had actually already sent to the state corporation commission as their own numbers. So those numbers aren't sort of conflated in any way. Those are just the amount of money that Dominion reported to their regulator about what they had overcharged their customers. 
But, you know, the way that the system is already set up kind of prior to COVID was that, you know, um, uh, you know, that um, the company could offset uh, what it overcharged to customers. Um, it could offset that with some investments that it, it made in, in certain kinds of projects. And then it also could share in any over earnings with its customers um, in, in a 70-30 split situation. So, you know, there was already kind of a, a construct of around that said that they got to keep at least a part of that money anyway. So for us, you know, we, while we did work with Clean Virginia, we worked with the Southern Environmental Law Center, we worked with the League of Conservation Voters, we worked with lots and lots of other groups, the Interface Center um, as well. We worked with lots of groups to push for um, some, you know, returning that money uh, back to the customer. We did also advocate at the same time, knowing that there was a, a history of just not necessarily giving overcharged money back to customers directly. Um, we did also push for there to be a repayment plan because we knew that the moratorium was so important when it was put into place, but that it also meant that there would be mounting debts for consumers um, and that they may or may not be able to be in a position to pay back right now. Um, and as you know, some people are reemployed, many people are still underemployed if they are employed uh, or are, if they are reemployed, many of them are, are underemployed from where they had been. And so uh, we, you know, we knew that there would still need to be a path to recovery so we had proposed a, a repayment plan option, knowing that um, just from past experience, it was less likely that that very much needed economic stimulus would actually go back to consumers directly. Thank you both for um, giving us a little background um, and helping us to understand what the hopes were and what we, you know, the ultimate goals and desires might, may have been. So now that we know what we wanted and what the governor and Mark Herring, uh, also Governor Northam and Mark Herring also were interested in seeing happen, um, tell us and help us understand, Dana, uh, what, what do, how does it stand now? What did we get? Um, and what does that mean for going forward uh, related to the utility moratorium? What does that mean for customers? What does that mean for those of us uh, among uh, uh, those of us who have paid the overages, but also for those of uh, for the many many Virginians who are uh, unable, still unable to meet their utility uh, bills? Well, so I think it's important to understand that it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, it's some good and some not so great. <laughs> At the end of the day, you know, for folks who are really struggling, who may be behind in their bills, for anybody who had an arrearage of at least 30 days um, as of September 30th uh, of this year, um, there, uh, the, uh, the agreement that has yet to be signed, so it doesn't go into effect yet, but has, it has yet to be signed, but the agreement that was made between the budget committee members was that they would get relief um, from those debts that were 30, 30 days or more, uh, if you were 30 days or more in arrearage as of September 30th. So those folks will be um, have some relief, and that includes uh, businesses, so commercial debts as, as well as uh, residential debts. Uh, so, you know, for many small businesses, I'm sure it can be a real relief to not have that hanging over their heads as well. Um, 
And so for those consumers, uh, that is a benefit. And that will amount to around between somewhere between 80 and $100 million, approximately, it could be a little bit more, a little bit less um, uh, uh, worth of debt that would be covered out of that 500 million of overcharges will go to that. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, this process has taken a while. So the actual moratorium on utility shutoffs is, has actually expired. Um, and so that is also just something to keep in mind. We hope that lawmakers and um, the process can actually finish uh, soon so that the measures that I'm talking about will actually take effect. <laughs> um, once the budget is signed, it will take effect immediately. Um, so we're hopeful for that. Um, but it, it is important to understand that the utility shutoff moratorium has actually expired. It expired October 1st. Um, but the other thing to uh, to understand about what is what was actually decided on is that there will not be any general relief or returning of those funds to um, to customers to all customers. Um, we had hoped that there would be a rebate for all customers, um, as we had just talked about, um, but you know, that was not part of this agreement. Um, so for any customers who aren't in arrears, some of them who are struggling uh, right now to pay their bills, even if they are trying keeping up with them, but, you know, maybe just tenuously, um, they will not have any relief um, and any, you know, uh, any of the, especially for commercial customers, for business customers who may have quite large bills that they're paying, there won't be any rebates for them either. We had hoped that that economic stimulus would happen, but that, that did not materialize in these negotiations. Um, and then, um, you know, there's also the ability to have a repayment, uh, a repayment plan. Oh, sorry. On top of that, um, there is a hundred million dollars in CARES Act money. So if you're not a Dominion customer, um, uh, and for other kinds of utilities, all other kinds of utilities, they did offer, there's a hundred million dollars worth of CARES Act money that would be set aside to alleviate those kinds of, uh, utility debt, uh, arrearages that may exist. Um, and then for, any uh, debts that aren't alleviated to due to, um, uh, for utilities, uh, there is a repayment program available that was put forth uh, as part of this budget uh, language that allows for anybody who has an arrearage of at least 30 days for any type of utility that covers water, sewer, uh, electricity, and gas utilities. Um, it doesn't matter if they're regulated by the state corporation commission or if they're from like a, a local authority for example they are all covered um uh, and they have the opportunity to have up to 24 months to repay whatever debts that still exist so hopefully for a dominion customer that debt will be alleviated but for those who are from another utility um they will have the opportunity to reduce their debt over time um at, at up to 24 months uh to help them in their recovery. We wanted that to be that long because honestly, we don't know how long people will be in recovery over this, uh, you know, this pandemic and utilities should be something that people should be able to easily cover because it's so necessary for staying healthy, for reducing the spread of the pandemic and also to keep their kids educated, uh, to keep themselves employed. Um, we need to have access to electricity and running water. Um, and so, uh, we're hopeful uh, and thankful that um, that this provides that opportunity for folks having an up to 24 uh, month repayment period. They also, um, you know, that repayment period 
um, the moratorium through this legislation will be extended to 60 days beyond the state of emergency. So as long as we're in the state of emergency, the moratorium is also in place against shutoffs. And then it extends it to 60 days beyond the shutoff of um, the, the end of, uh, of the state of emergency, which will allow for even more time for people to sort of sort things out, to catch up um, uh, before they have to start repaying on, on, their, um, on their utility debts. And then on top of that, it does also allow for uh, for those who, um, you know, it, 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 as they enter into those repayment plans, it means that they can't have any additional deposits or uh, extra fees charged to enter into a deposit, um, uh, to enter into a repayment plan. They don't have to pay down a deposit or pay any extra fees, um, and it won't be uh, put on their credit report as anything except for that they're current. Cassidy, um, same question to you. Um, Dana just filled our heads with um, lots of really good information. Um, but same question to you. Uh, what's your take on the the uh, what as it stands now? What's the what's the outcome of this for for Virginians? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Dana. It's definitely a mixed bag. Um, I mean, it's it would be. Um, hard <laughs> to have pass a budget like this and, and not have um, some mixed um, outcomes in there. But the repayment plan for sure 100% agree like this that will actually help people um, and having it extend towards 24 months. I mean, we don't have, you know, there's kind of no end in sight right now to the crisis we're in. So it's really important that um, that that repayment plan be as generous as possible. And I, I also would like to give credit certainly to to um, not only Governor Northam, but also Attorney General Mark Herring, who has really tried to both advocate for a stronger um, plan from for Dominion customers in particular and having those refunds, and also warn against um, plans that would disproportionately shift the financial burden to customers rather than to shareholders. Um, so that's, he, you know, his the attorney general's office actually warned about that back in June when the moratorium extensions were first coming down from the S from the state corporation commission, um, and other states have actually taken a different approach where customers immediately get a, get their those overcharges back. Shareholders share in this share in this financial burden of this these unprecedented crises. Unfortunately, the budget that was passed um, last week and. As Dana said, it doesn't actually go into effect um, until next month after the election, but it, it really does let shareholders completely off the hook and, and Dominion largely off the hook as well. Um, so that's something we're pretty disappointed in. Um, and as we said, and, and as Dana mentioned as well, like the the governor put forward a really common sense proposal. Let's use 320 million of that half a billion that they, that Dominion has overcharged. Let's use that for not only de debt forgiveness, but for those refunds, which can provide a little bit of relief right now. That was the whole point of this special session is how can we get relief to families and businesses as quickly as possible. Um, and unfortunately this is sort of, this is dragged on and left people in the lurch um, and doesn't actually turn around and provide their own money back to them. So that part is very disappointing, although very happy that the repayment plans um, 
are will be in place soon. They don't add those extra fees, interest, et cetera, as Dana mentioned. Um, but overall, this was still lawmakers really giving a pass to Dominion and letting and letting them off the hook. It was a missed opportunity for sure. Yeah. So I that that's the question that um, that uh, comes to my mind right now. The whole idea of what happens in the meantime before the budget is signed into law. What's happening to? I know that the that there's no moratorium currently, but our um, our utility uh, ratepayers at jeopardy of having their utilities. Um, you know, cut off, shut off right now in between in this mean in the meantime, and what protections are there for for them? So I think it's important for people to remember that um, most of the utilities are part of this process. Um, and all of the utilities that I've spoken with, um, whether it be the cooperatives or um, or Dominion or APCO, I think they've all you know said that they're waiting on the process. They don't anticipate starting um, shutoffs anytime soon. They're they're waiting through this process to see what came out of it. Um, and so I think you know we're all kind of just waiting on the legislature right now to actually. Um, get this budget bill to the governor to sign um, so that these things can actually take effect. Um, so, you know, for us, um, you know, I think the, the the main thing for people to understand is just because the moratorium itself is, uh, is, is over, <laughs> um, the state corporation commission um, did not extend it yet again um, in, in order to help really facilitate the legislators kind of moving forward and with, with their, what they were going to put forward as solutions. Um, you know, it's important to remember, don't panic, <laughs> um, you know, and, you know, it's always important to reach out to your utility to make sure that they understand that you're having financial difficulty. Um, but, you know, it's also just as important to sit tight, wait on the process. And, um, you know, right now we are in, you know, the you can enter into a payment plan if you're feeling very anxious you can still do that the moratorium might be over but the order from the SEC saying that people could enter into payment plans up to 12 months is still in effect um and so uh and i think the SEC did say as much uh, a few weeks ago so you can still enter into a payment plan if you're worried but at the same time, you know, what will be coming will be better options for payment plans. In, in some cases, for some uh, people, it might be better for them to wait. So make sure that your utility understands your financial situation, that you may be having trouble keeping up with your bills. Um, make sure that they know that you are, you know, you would be interested if they had uh, help programs available. Every utility has them, and and but it is each utility is different. So you'll, you'll you you need to reach out to each individual utility to ask what what options they have available, um, and then don't enter into anything until this um, this budget bill has passed. So that way you'll know um, that you're you know all the options are available to you, whether you need the twenty four months or whether you just need five months to pay back. Um, whatever debts might be available to you. And then in the case of Dominion customers, some of that debt would be alleviated. And so you don't want to enter into a payment plan when you don't necessarily have to. So I would say don't panic. Uh, nobody seems to be rushing to shut anybody off um, right now. Everybody's in a wait and see that we're all hoping and waiting on the legislature to act um, and to finish their business. So uh, I, I would say, you know, don't panic, wait, 
Um, make sure that your utility understands that you're in financial difficulty if you are. Um, if you're not, obviously you don't need to, but if you are, make sure they understand that, but don't make any rash decisions until all of the options that may be available to you are open, which will be after the election. So um, as a follow-up, uh, the question I have is, what does that mean for how much might be alleviated? Um, do you have any, either of you have any sense of what the possibilities are for alleviation once the budget has been signed and the um, you know, and everything is starts in motion. There, it, it'll be about uh, it'll be about eighty to one hundred million dollars, uh, maybe a little bit more than that, depending on how many people were in arrears as of uh, thirty days or more in arrears as of September thirtieth, and that would include um, it could include all arrearages uh, that that person may owe, not just due to COVID nineteen. Um, and so uh, that will be hopefully a, a good benefit for all of Dominion's customers um, uh, as a you know as of September 30th, whatever they may have owed. Um, so that debt will be alleviated. For other utilities, that 100 million dollars worth of CARES Act money, it's um, that will have to be applied for to then apply to someone's arrearage. And so um, you know the the ins and outs of that process is a little bit unclear, but I think, uh, you know, it. we don't know how much debt of other utilities, at least I don't know, um, how much debt from the other utilities may exist uh, and, and how much can be applied. But that's why it was important to have sort of a multi-prong approach to covering this problem so that there would be some debt alleviation as well as payment plan options in for the other utilities, particularly um, uh to make sure that that people had the ability to have their some debts covered and if some of it isn't covered that they could have a, a reasonable repayment plan to cover the rest. Cassidy, did you have anything uh, you wanted to add to that? Um, not really. I think Dana pretty much summed that up. Um, just wanted to, you know to add that that in comparison, you know that the the cares money. Um, does cover that. Um, I think what, again, like the part that, that <laughs> makes, irritates me is that the the numbers um, in terms of how much the main had overcharged versus how much debt they were, we were actually dealing with, is there's a pretty big delta. Um, and so I think that's important to, for people to keep in context. And I, I it sounds like there's a few viewer questions. What are we planning for a clean, affordable energy legislation in 2021? Um, we're kind of moving uh, moving our conversation a little bit uh, into um, future plans for <laughs> for 2021, um, and that would be great to hear from um, both of you what your thoughts are on uh, how will we circle back to this um, this issue? Um, are are there some other um, issues on the uh, policy issues and policy um, goals um, that you'd like to uh, talk about here today? Um, I, I would say, if, at least from the VPLC perspective, there is always seems to be something to work on in the utility space since we started um, kind of reinvigorating our work in this around four, year, four or five years ago. Um, I, I, I would say, you know, um, 
we, our plan is to continue to look at ways that we can help alleviate um, situations for consumers that cause excess money to be taken from them. Um, you know, it's better if rates are right sized and, and, and utilities just aren't allowed to overcharge, at least not quite as much as they have been overcharging. So we will be looking at, um, at policy solutions that look at how do we reduce the amount that's overcharged in the first place? It's just better if the rates are right sized. Um, obviously, the utilities are offering a public service. They need to be compensated for that public service. But, you know, um, the fact that we have so many years worth of overcharges um, just sort of means that we need to have a different setup for how the rates are, are charged in the first or, and what the rates are being charged in the first place. Um, so we'll be we'll be looking at solutions around that. Um, and then also there are some lots of issues still are, you know, kind of lingering um, from the VCEA, the Virginia Clean Economy Act. So we'll be looking at ways that we can clean up um, and, and sort of make more clear some of the things that uh, will be affecting consumers that have come out of that. Um, and then looking at ways that we can, again, reduce the um, energy burden for um, for Virginians in general, energy burden being the percentage of your income that you pay towards your utilities. Um, you know, utilities are such a necessary thing. And I think this crisis has has really shown how necessary our utilities are to keep ourselves safe, to keep our families safe and our communities safe um, and to keep us moving. Um, and so it is really important for us to reduce the energy burden so that it isn't as question that people are having to say, do I pay for my necessary prescription drugs or do I take my child to the doctor? Um, do I stay home from work uh, because of COVID um, or another illness? Or do I try to power through to make sure that I can pay my utility bill? Um, and so we don't want that to be what people are asking themselves. So we're going to be still be working on solutions to reduce energy burden, both through energy efficiency, but also through, through changes to the system that help make things more fair. Yeah, and, and for Clean Virginia, we are always interested in basically shifting the balance of power in, in Virginia. How can we put more power in the hands of families and consumers in terms of their energy choices um, and less power in the hands of, of utility monopolies? And so uh, we will um, certainly be seeking ways that we can promote and advance um, zero carbon energy that is also affordable um, and distributed across Virginia. So yeah, things like energy efficiency, things like distributed solar, um, those are policies that we really wanna prioritize since that empowers more people um, across Virginia. And we also are constantly looking for ways to fix the regulatory structure um, and making sure that the oversight is stronger. There's obviously a problem in Virginia with Dominion giving um, a lot of money to the legislators in charge of regulating them. And that is something that we are, um, that is always on our <laughs> bucket list to, to fix. Yes, I think that that's, um, that both, both issues are um, clearly important. Um, uh, again, we started off this special session with hope, um, you know, with great hope in finding ways to get those overcharges and uh, return to ratepayers, and um, not to not be able to um, to have that as our ultimate outcome is disappointing. Um, and I think that uh, I look forward to the ways that we'll be able to circle back and maybe find new ways to um, tackle this issue. 
Uh, will legislators be trying to recover those overcharges for us in the next General Assembly? So uh, do we have <laughs> do we have on board uh, legislators who are interested in this issue and um, that we know uh, would be our allies and in supporting, um, we know that we have uh, Governor Northam and we know that we have uh, Attorney General Mark Herring who, are, who have already come out and made it very clear that they're interested in this. Uh, what other legislators and what other ways can we, uh, the general public, uh, encourage their legislators um, to um, take this under consideration and kind of and move to the side where we're um, encouraging Dominion to um, to um, you know be more um, judicious and <laughs> and gracious in the way that they um, behave uh, with uh, ratepayers. Well, I mean, I, I would say, like, obviously, we had some legislators, even just during the special session that really stood out and tried to um, stand up for consumers. So I think, you know, we had Senator John Bell, who offered a piece of legislation that was ultimately uh, moved to the Utility Commission, but um, he was attempting to uh, sort of right the ship in terms of making sure that there were rebates uh, to all Dominion customers. Um, and then we have Senator uh, Jennifer McClellan and Delegate Lasharice Aird, both of whom carried legislation um, around the repayment programs, really trying to make sure that there was um, a stopgap there for consumers, um, if, if nothing else was there, that they had uh, repayment programs that really not only were here for this particular crisis, but that were there for any future crisis to come, really paving the way for how we should allow people to recover um, moving forward. Um, you know, I think both uh, both of those legislators put a lot of time and energy into those pieces of legislation. Um, and then there's, a, a, I mean, I, I'm sure Cassidy will have more specific people to mention, but you know, there were lots of people who were very, very concerned during this session about this issue. Uh, and I think a lot of legislators really did stand up and try to speak to this, um, really trying to make sure that uh, that there were appropriate questions asked of uh, of the utilities, but also um, trying to really understand what their their constituents were going through. Um, so there's there's plenty of legislators. I think all legislators are trying to figure out how to best help their their constituents during this time. Um, and you know everybody has slightly different versions of what the solution will be, um, but I do think that there are quite a few legislators who, very much in particular, really want to make sure that utilities are something that are always there, um, but that they are um, fair and more fair than they are right now. Yeah, and just to add um, a little bit to that, um, I think what although a lot of the budget outcome is has, was disappointing. Um, for Clean Virginia and, and for Virginians ac across the Commonwealth, it, it is very exciting when you look at the newly emergent bipartisan coalition of lawmakers that are really banding together and, and standing up um, to Dominion, which has just not happened before. And there's been a tremendous tremendous progress in the past you know, year, year and a half, two years, um, and that's really, really encouraging. So even a, a bill in the House um, that would have returned all of those overcharges during this special session. Um, that was actually introduced by a Democrat and a Republican, by uh, Democratic uh, Delegate Jay Jones, um, and then Republican Delegate Lee Ware, who have partnered up on this issue before. So there is definitely a, a coalition coming together 
of both you know new um, legislators and really seasoned um, legislators as well. And they're really building that firewall of consumer protection um, and, and more uh, fair energy policies. So I think people should continue to reach out to their legislators and if they are one of the, the good ones, definitely encourage them to keep doing this. It's it's not always easy to stand up to the biggest monopoly in Virginia, but um, definitely need that encouragement from their constituents. And then if they're not, you know, really say this is impacting me. My bills are really high um, or my, my neighbors, my family members are struggling. We need more accountability from the General Assembly. Thank you both for those. Um, though I think that's uh, really important for um, citizens, everyday citizens, to know that there are record. There is um, some way that that we can uh, provide uh, some recourse for some of the actions we see and we want to see taken by our legislators. That we can be in conversation. That we should be talking to them, and um, and so thank you for that. Um, and. Um, Dana, I think we have uh, questions. Uh, we had some questions in earlier. Uh, our topic was evictions and utility moratoriums. And uh, although uh, we don't feel exactly uh, experts, you know, we're not experts on the uh, on the eviction side. But um, do you have any information that you could share with us specifically about evictions or um, the evictions moratorium and the outcomes in the budget process for, for that and, um, and even in the legislative process. What do we have to look forward to there? So I think it's um, helpful, uh, I think, for folks to, um, well, one, I am not an evictions expert or a housing expert. So at VPLC, we have a, an amazing housing team. Uh, and so for folks who have a lot of interest in the topic of evictions, um, our experts uh, have put up some really great um, uh, resources on our website. So if you go to vplc.org uh, and there's a big COVID-19 button that will explain a lot of things having to do, a lot of those resources have to do with eviction. Uh, um, we also have, if you're actually facing eviction or know someone who is facing eviction or who is scared about facing eviction right now and doesn't understand what their rights are, generally speaking, uh, we have an eviction helpline uh, where we have two staff who all they're doing is fielding and answering questions and then referring people to where they need to be. Um, if, if they need legal help, they're making sure they have that. If they just need advice, they're able to provide that as well. So that's, uh, just wanted to put that out up front. I, me, myself, I am not our uh, evictions or, or housing expert at VPLC. So uh, we have a wonderful set of staff that are doing just amazing work uh, trying to keep up with the demand for this type of information. But what I will say on the topic of evictions, just really briefly, is that, you know, one, um, what came out of uh, um, this uh, special session like um, it's it's definitely like utilities in that it is a mixed bag. I think the hard part is that for there are less protections for uh, tenants than we had hoped. Uh, obviously, we've been working as part of this process, and and we we appreciate the the things that were put in there for, to protect tenants. Um, but there are some things, you know, um, one difference between the utilities uh, and and the evictions uh, moratoriums is that. Um, the uh, eviction moratorium uh, really uh, sort of um, doesn't right now uh, 
it's sort of piecemeal and there's the CDC moratorium that's in effect. And, um, uh, but the legislation that we have uh, won't obviously take in, in effect, won't take effect until January, uh, uh, well, it will be there until January 1st. And then after that, um, you know, tenants have to, or landlords are, are supposed to be seeing if there's relief out there for their tenants. Um, and there's, uh, and then tenants can also look for relief programs. Um, but um, before January 1st, tenants cannot be evicted for non-payment of rent unless they refuse to apply for the Virginia Rent and Mortgage Relief Program. Um, and so that's something um, that can be helpful. The CDC declaration um, for tenants, um, uh, they don't have to fill out anything. Um, you know, they're supposed to be covered. We have heard from around the state that that is not necessarily being um, covered equally. And sometimes, you know, um, uh, courts in different parts of the state are not looking at it the same. Um, but those that that protection is still is still there. Um, and, uh, you know, on January 1st, landlords ca um, can uh, evict, can resume evicting tenants if they give proper notice. Um, uh, uh, and, um, if either they or their tenant applies for assistance um, and the assistance isn't approved in writing within 45 days, they can resume uh, eviction, um, the eviction process. So um, sort of unlike utilities where we have this really nice thing that's a, a tied to the actual pandemic and tied to um, the fact that, you know, we all are still under a state of emergency and then it provides a little bit of cushion beyond the state of emergency for people to kind of get back on their feet, maybe if they're trying to catch up on all of the things. Um, it's a little bit different in the tenant space and that that cushion just isn't there. Um, and and starting, you know, January 1st, you know, um, they can resume, um, you know, evictions. Um, so I think that's a little bit uh, more tricky and doesn't give people as much cushion, particularly when their housing is you know, for many people, the mo the largest part of their, their budget, but also just something very significant. It is really hard to maintain your job, um, to be focused on your family if you don't have a roof over your head. And so that, that part is a little bit troubling. Um, but we do know that there is that assistance. There is still assistance available. There is um, rental assistance that will be available to folks. Um, and so we are hopeful that folks will be able to take advantage of that. Um, the landlords um, after, Janu um, after January 1st must apply for rental assistance on behalf of their tenant um, within 14 days from when um, uh, the notice is served uh, in terms of uh, an eviction notice. Um, and so that's really helpful. There is a little caveat that they, you know, um, unless the tenant has communicated um, to the landlord um uh, that they will apply for that assistance, but the, the landlord is uh, supposed to be applying for that assistance on behalf of the tenant if they want to evict that person. So that can be very helpful. Um, but, um, you know, the fact that, you know, there is that sort of 45 day time window and courts are really backed up and there's a lot of things happening. So we're just very concerned that there will be a lot of people who fall through the, um, through the cracks and fall into the gaps. 
Um, and obviously the faith community is often the place that people have to turn to um, and other local agencies in order to help them when they're in that crisis. And I know everyone is stretched thin right now. Um, and so it can, we are, we are certainly afraid that it won't be necessarily the cliff uh, of sort of evictions, but there, there could still be a significant number of people that face eviction anyway. Um, so there, there is that. Um, and, and for more information about um, uh, what has come out of this session, please look to our website at vplc.org. So we just uh, received a question about um, immigrants and um, and the immigrant immigration community and uh, recently arrived new Americans at, who are who have been especially hard uh, hit. Um, so are there any other protections or special resources that uh, for them um, in addition to the moratorium eviction moratorium or are there um, is the possibility that there might be legislation forthcoming? that uh, would be, uh, would focus on uh, immigrant and, new, and newly arrived Americans? So there isn't necessarily um, anything that is specifically pertaining to immigrants in this uh, part of the budget. There may be other parts of the budget that do kind of pertain particularly to that, but to the extent that a, a, an immigrant is a tenant, um, you know, they would still have the same protections um, and opportunities as far as the rental assistance as uh, somebody who who uh, who isn't an immigrant, um, and as far as the utilities, as long as the utilities are in that person's name, um, they would you know be able to be entitled to the relief uh, that's available. So it's not necessarily that there's something specifically in these two realms uh, for immigrants, but um, there is uh, help if they if they find themselves in one of either under the eviction moratorium or under the utility uh, moratorium under the budget, um, you know, they, they have the protections that are available to any utility customer or to any tenant. There but I, obviously, obviously there are issues if, um, you know, depending on their status, as far as like going to court, for example. Yeah. Absolutely. And I would encourage, I would encourage folks to reach out, you know, if they are facing eviction to reach out to our helpline um, to get more advice and information on what, specific uh, to their specific situation, what might be available to them. Um, and as well as their local legal aid program, um, legal aid programs are, you know, provide free uh, legal services across the state. Um, and, you know, they are stretched thin like everyone else, but they are an important resource for people to take advantage of in, especially if they have questions about their particular situation. So um, there are two other questions. Thank you, Dana, for the, for that. Um, um, there are two other questions that I wanted to um, to raise. One is um, a, a related to someone uh, from uh, watching the show. One of the viewers asked the question about overcharges and what does that mean? How uh, can you explain it? Um, and uh, what is it exactly? How did that happen? How did it happen that Dominion was able to overcharge uh, ratepayers so much? Great question. Um, <laughs> yeah, so oh, what that means, and you might you might hear um, reporters or, or legislators call it over earnings or excess profits, all pretty much mean the same thing. Um, 
what happens is Dominion has a, a authorized um, rate of return, an authorized profit level of how much they can earn, given that they are a monopoly with, um, you know, two out of three Virginians are captive customers to Dominion Energy. So they have um, a, a fair rate of return um, from the State Corporation Commission. Um, that is, is how much they can earn. And essentially, anything that goes over that amount is, a, is an overcharge, meaning that we all paid, um, businesses, households, all paid um, more you know, for our utility bills than was actually set um, by regulators. And so that um, every year there is a report that comes out, and, and Dana had mentioned this earlier, that these are Dominion's own numbers. They are saying, here's what we, here, here are, um, here's what we earned. And so they report that to the State Corporation Commission, and then they actually compile a report that usually comes out around August, September every year. Um, and the past three years combined was about half a billion, 502.7 million. Um, but they have overcharged every year, essentially. So that's just how much in the past three years. Um, so that's what that means is essentially money that really does not belong to Dominion because it is over their authorized rate of um, authorized profit level. I will just note also though that, um, so the way our system is set up right now, you know, they are allowed out of that $500 million, they typically get to have um, something called an earnings ban. So a, a, an amount of money uh, above the rate of return um, that if they're within that earnings <clears throat> earnings band, which is 0.7% um, right now, um, they will get to still keep that regardless. So that in this case would be like $134 million, something like that, um, that they would just normally just get to keep just because um, they just, there's a, an earnings band available to them. And then on top of that, without any other customer investments in clean energy, so those customer credit offsets that I think I mentioned way at the beginning, um, they also get to share in any earnings above the earnings band, <laughs> which is why they have earnings above the earnings band is still like, why? I don't know. I mean, the system is set up that way, but that seems like maybe a little much, but there is a 70-30 split between uh, the customer getting 70% of the earnings above the earnings band at, back as a re rebate or, or refund and uh, the, co co the company still getting to keep 30%. So they get to keep their normal rate of return. So in Dominion case, Dominion's case, it's 9.2%. And then they get an earnings band. In this case of the $500 million, it's a, an additional $134 million that they would get to keep on top of that um, just because it's part of a, an above and below earnings band. And then and then on top of that, they would get another 30%. And I'm totally blanking on the exact number, Cassidy might remember, <laughs> of what that 30% represents in terms of the money uh, out of that 500 million. But essentially they get to keep under normal circumstances. Uh, and that's some of the, the issues that I think, you know, kind of kind of got highlighted in, in terms of the budget process and the special session is sort of like, well, why? Why do we have so many, so much money that's been overcharged over time? Um, and that's just the way that the law is set up in this utility compact is that for providing, you know, the public service of utilities, um, the, the trade-off is that the utility customer pays for everything that the utility uh, has. If, if a utility 
uh, worker, you know, um, gets a hard hat, that gets paid for by the customer. If they need to make upgrades to their customer information system, um, in some cases, uh, I think they're still trying to get that paid for, but um, by the customer. But typically, uh, in some cases, that may be paid for by the customers. Um, if they um, you know, the only things that don't get paid for by customers um, that would get paid for by their shareholders would be their lobbying costs or donations to legislators, for example. But in part, that can, you know, um, the customer pays for everything else that the utility, if it's a cost to the utility to build a power plant or to buy some pencils, those are paid for by the utility customer because they are providing an essential service, uh, a, a service that we all depend on. And so, um, there's that, but our law also just sets up that they want to recoup all of their costs and then they get a rate of return on top of all of the costs uh, that they have. So we pay them their costs for all of the things. And then on top of that, they get the rate of return uh, on top of those costs. And then on top of that, they get the earnings band. And then on top of that, they get 30% of any additional um, monies that they've charged above that. So it's a it's a system that really is stacked in many ways against the consumer, um, not necessarily because I think the paying for the charges, I mean, just for the, the normal cost of business that gets paid for by the customer, that is the utility compact that we all, you know, I think most states and most utilities kind of uh, understand. It's sort of the extra on extra that um, is sometimes hard, uh, hard to swallow, especially when we're all in a situation like now when you know, businesses um, and uh, residential customers could just use that money. Thank you, Dana. Um, we're about to wrap up. Cassidy, is there anything else you want to add and any last statements from either of you um, before we wrap up our conversation today? Thank you both for being here. And uh, I think that you've uh, raised uh, some really important questions and helped uh, unpack some really um, difficult um, uh, pieces of, of the way that um, this works uh, uh, with Dominion and with the legislation and with special session in ways that I think uh, many who are listening have learned something, uh, real, learned some very important um, uh, facts today. So thank you so much for, for being here. Sure, thank you. I think the only other Quick thing I would add that Dave and I were just talking about before we hopped on is that um, there is obviously the eviction helpline from from VPLC, but then also uh, if people are you disconnected, if their utilities are disconnected, um, you know we are thinking of, of of setting up a helpline for that. Uh, you know, a lot. I think it's important to remember that some of these companies have publicly committed to not do that, um, and we should hold them accountable. So. If you are disconnected or you know of somebody who, who is disconnected, if you visit either Clean Virginia or, v, or Virginia Poverty Law Center's website and, and use the contact form or the um, uh, email addresses on that and just let us know, I think we'll try to get something more formal set up here shortly since, again, like I mentioned, there's really no end in sight to this crisis and we're in it for the long haul. So um, definitely contact us if people are facing those disconnections and having, having trouble. 
I think that's an important point. Thank you, Cassidy. Um, you know, we have been fielding a lot of calls. You know, I think some of the viewers may uh, remember that during the summer, the city of Petersburg was having a lot of issues with um, water, their water authority, and um, there were a lot of shutoffs and there were, you know, threats of criminal prosecution of people who they said were stealing water. Um, or they accused folks of stealing water, and there is still a lot of aftermath for that. Um, so it's important to understand that, you know, most of the utilities, um, especially utilities that are covered by the State Corporation Commission, are certainly, um, they have mostly committed to, to not um, shutting people off while we're still in this waiting period on the General Assembly. Um, but there are plenty of utilities that are not uh, covered by the state corporation commission. So ones that are municipal run, uh, water authorities, uh, gas authorities, and electric authorities that are run by municipalities, um, or smaller, um, groups. And so, um, or smaller authorities. Uh, and so I think it's important for them to understand that one, we we want to hear from anybody who's still having issues, um, either with your utilities, um, you know, in many cases, so Dominion, for example, actually did shut on people who had already previously been shut off um, during this uh, moratorium. So that was a really, really important thing to help uh, protect people um, during this time. Um, but, you know, there may be people that are, you know, people just don't know what their rights are with respect to their utilities, and they may not know if their utility is regulated by the State Corporation Commission or not. And so um, if you have questions, please feel free to reach out to us now. Um, but as Cassidy said, we are trying to, you know, um, make sure that we underst better understand the issues that people are actually facing uh, so that the, pro the solutions that we're coming up with actually pertain to the problems that you're having. Um, but we also wanna hear your stories and, and really better understand how, how these things are affecting you. Um, so we are in, in discussion around trying to set up um, an, another helpline um, uh, similar to our eviction helpline, similar to our predatory lending helpline um, that would actually help make sure that we understand uh, what's happening with people directly and their stories and what things that they really feel like they need in this process. Um, so, you know, please stay tuned for that. But in the in the meantime, please feel free to reach out to us um, uh, to make sure and you can reach out to me directly. Um, my email address is Dana at BPLC.org if you're having any specific specific issues. Um, and I think we'll try to make sure that we're setting something up fairly quickly so that we can hear these stories and try to help um, navigate these problems for people. Yeah, thank you. Um, Virginia uh, Poverty Law Center does just incredible work and we're very, so very grateful for, um, for your organization and for all the um, hard work that you and others um, do on behalf of Virginians every day. Um, as well, Clean Virginia, we're so very thankful for your work as well. And um, we're so glad that we have this opportunity to, to advocate for our, uh, for ratepayers, but, um, and utilities, um, you know, the, all the different utility uh, payers uh, and um, service and those who are receiving service from the various utilities in the state of Virginia. And as we continue to uh, advocate in general in the various general assemblies as they come up, we hope that we'll be able to create uh, better and better uh, laws, more and more um, legislators who um, get it and who want to see, um, you know, just a more equitable system for all Virginians. Um, thank you again for 
um, your uh, experience and wisdom and for your willingness to be here today and uh, entering into this very important conversation that I think has been very enlightening for many. Again, thank you. <laughs>